Hey, if you listen to this podcast week after week, then you will absolutely love my books. There's Travel Light, which basically gives you all of the steps for following your heart. And then there's Knowing Where to Look, which is full of inspirational stories and anecdotes that will help you shift your perspective in the most inspiring way. And for those of you who can't seem to crack the meditation code, grab a copy of Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying, and your meditation practice will never be the same. All of those books are available on Amazon, as well as everywhere else books are sold. That's Travel Light, Knowing Where to Look, and Bliss More. All right, back to the show. When you speak your truth, you are mirroring what is going on inside, on the outside. Like if I speak my truth to you, then the outside and the inside is being mirrored. And if I'm speaking my not truth to you, then there is no mirroring, and therefore I am not being my true self. It doesn't mean that you always have to go up to everyone you ever meet and be your full self and speak 100% truth at all times. That's probably not going to end well. But it does right. mean with a select few people and as much as you can, mirror your outside words with your inside feelings. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Light Watkins Show. I'm Light Watkins, and I interview ordinary folks just like you and me who've taken extraordinary leaps of faith in the direction of their path, their purpose, or what they've identified as their mission. And in doing so, they've been able to positively impact and inspire the lives of many other people who've either heard about their story or who've witnessed them in action or who've directly benefited from their work. And this week is a full circle moment for the Light Watkins Show because returning to the podcast is my very first guest from episode number one. And for all of you day ones out there, you may remember me interviewing this guy who goes by the name of the Kindness Guy. Do you remember the Kindness Guy? His name is Leon Logothetis. And in that very first episode, I did a deep dive into Leon's full backstory of how he went from working in the corporate world in London to circumnavigating the entire planet in a vintage yellow motorcycle with no money while relying solely on the kindness of strangers, which is why he's known as the kindness guy. And of course, that experience culminated into the uber inspirational Netflix series, which was called The Kindness Diaries. Leon has since taken several other excursions around the earth, and he's written books about his journeys, including Go Be Kind, which was a bestseller, which taught the reader about the importance of kindness and then practical ways to be more kind in their day-to-day life. And then most recently, Leon has published Go Be Brave. And in this episode, we unpack Leon's philosophy on bravery and then practical ways that you can be braver in life, which is something that I think we all aspire toward. And we'll talk about how Leon links bravery with speaking your truth So we talk a lot about how to start speaking your truth more in day-to-day life. And we also talk about what happened when Leon spent 10 days in nature by himself and why he feels that nature is sort of like the universal truth serum. It's hard to not be honest with yourself if you're spending a lot of time in nature. We talk about how anger can also be useful and the importance of taking the burn the boats 
approach to life if you truly want to be braver. So this was a short but very sweet episode that I think you're really going to enjoy. And without further ado, let us get into the conversation with Mr. Leon Logothetis, a.k.a. The Kindness Guy. Leon, welcome back to my podcast, man. So fun fact, you were not the first interview I did, but you were the first episode that I published our episode together was episode number one of my podcast back when it was called at the end of the tunnel. And I was just called the light Watkins show. So it's good to have you back, man. It's good to be back. Thank you so much for having me once again. Yeah. And we've already done the whole superhero origin story. So we don't have to really go into those details. If you are interested in hearing how Leon became Leon, then there's a whole, I think it's like two hour episode that goes all into how you started the kindness diaries and mental health stuff and what little Leon was up to and all the insecurities and the obstacles that you had to overcome in order to be the person you are today. And so today, You are a published author many times over. You're a speaker, keynote speaker. Would you say that's the main thing you're doing now professionally is in between these excursions that you do on on occasion, you mostly speak and you write books? Yeah, I mean, I speak, write books, and I host. So, you know, working on a documentary. So that should be out, God willing, at the end of the year. We shall see. (laughs) Well, you have a book that's coming out. It'll probably be out by the time this episode airs. It's called Go Be Brave. It is Go Be Brave. And I will tell you that I hate it when people do this, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) He's showing, for those of you listening, he's showing a cover Uh, of the book. Yeah, I'm showing a cover of Go Be Brave. All right. Mm -hmm. I did it. I did it. So I want to talk about bravery today and unpack what it means to be brave. Because I think out of all of the life experiences, that is the one that we regular people dread the most, having to be brave. But that's also probably the most rewarding one. Like after you're, you're brave, even if it's a, just a, in a small way, man, very few things feel better than that, than having been brave. So let's just get right into it, man. Let's talk about how are you defining bravery to start? And then we'll get into some of the things that you, you put in your book. Yeah, sure, sure. So my definition of bravery may be a little bit different to some people's definition of bravery. I'll start with a story. Many years ago, I was in a spiritual retreat for depression and anxiety. And it was a seven-day event. And, you know, I was in a pretty bad place. And there were maybe 10 or 15 of us. And there was a guy there who looked very, very scary, right? He just looked scary. Sorry, but he did. And it turns out that he ended up being a Navy SEAL. And at the end of the retreat, he turns around to everyone and he says, people think that I am brave because of my job. But the truth is that the true act of bravery is what is happening inside this room. Mm. Is what is happening when we share our pain and when we share our truth. And the moment he said that, he didn't seem quite so scary to me. And also, I never forgot it. And I share that before I explain my definition of bravery, because it came 
from that Navy SEAL's words. So my definition of bravery is to speak our truth. My definition of bravery is to share our pain. My definition of bravery is to stand in our power. And it all came from that one day when that Navy SEAL truly did change my life because he made me realize that when we are vulnerable and when we speak our truth, whatever that truth may be, maybe we need to leave a relationship. Maybe we need to ask for a raise. Maybe we need to go to rehab. Maybe we need to accept that we're alcoholics. When we speak our truth, everything changes. And sometimes people say to me, Leon, what's the difference between bravery and courage? Your book is called Go Be Brave. Do you talk about courage? And yes, of course I do. And again, this is my definition of courage. Bravery, remember, is speaking your truth. And courage is taking action. It's literally that simple. You start by speaking your truth. And then you take action on that truth. Sometimes I go to schools and I give speeches and I'll get kids to stand up and tell me what they want to be in life, right? That's their truth. And they'll say to me, oh, I want to be a scientist. And I say to them, well, that's great. But do you think you're going to become a scientist if you never take any action? Do you think you're going to become a scientist if you never read a book about science? Do you think you're going to become a scientist if you never watch a TikTok video about how to become a scientist? And they get it. They get it. Courage is taking action. Bravery is speaking your truth. Hey there, really quickly. Have you wanted to find your purpose or be more grateful or start a daily meditation practice, but you're not quite sure where to begin? Well, if inner work is like a drop of water, thehappinessinsiders.com is like your ocean. That's my online community where you can learn real-world techniques for cultivating more fulfillment from the inside out. So whether it's learning how to manifest abundance or access your potential or overcome fear or even just start walking every day, I've got a blueprint for you, which means you no longer have to use any more shoddy guesswork and you don't have to use the lone wolf approach to improving yourself. For a small accountability fee, you'll get community, you'll get accountability directly from me, and you'll get comprehensive instructions for getting your meditation practice off the ground. And for my podcast listeners, you'll receive 30% off of the all access pass if you go to thehappinessinsiders.com right now and use the promo code HAPPY. Again, thehappinessinsiders.com. Enter the promo code HAPPY and you'll get 30% off on a yearly all-access pass, which gives you access to dozens of inner work challenges and masterclasses, such as my 108-day meditation challenge, which has an 80% completion rate. Plus, you get to join me live for weekly meditations on Zoom and much, much more. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. The code is HAPPY. All right, back to the episode. love that. And this is going to get a little meta, but to even get into that retreat for depression and anxiety, clearly you had to have some courage and you had to be brave and be willing to be vulnerable and be willing to speak your truth. And just kind of knowing a little bit more about your story than maybe the average listener or watcher of this episode, I can think back to several moments where you 
exhibited some degree of bravery. So I'm just curious, what's your earliest memory of bravery as you define it? What was happening? What did you overcome? How did you speak your truth? And how did it go? That's a beautiful question. You read my mind. So look, when I was a kid, I was brutally bullied for many years, not just at school, not just by kids, but by adults too. And I never told anyone. I never told anyone what I was feeling. I never told anyone what I was going through. I just went through it. And slowly, slowly, it started to break me. Slowly, slowly, it started to break my spirit. And it reached a point where I, I had to do something about it. So the first act of bravery, true bravery that I remember, and I'm not saying this was necessarily conscious, right? But the first act of true bravery, I was about 15 years old. I mm-hmm. walked into my mother's room. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I just started crying my eyes out. And I started saying to her all of the things that had been happening for years and that I needed to move school. She needed to take me out of this school and move me to a new school. I spoke my truth. I didn't know how she was going to react. Maybe she was going to be like, oh, don't worry, nothing's happening, just stay in school. Luckily, she didn't do that. So I spoke my truth. She took me out of the school, put me into a new school, and it wasn't all hunky-dory per se, but it was a lot better. That was the first moment that I remember speaking my truth and being brave. And the action that was taken, not just by me, but by my mother, was to move me from that school to a different school. The courage. So this may seem unrelated, but maybe it won't be. I don't know. But for parents listening to this podcast who may be experiencing the same thing with their kid, what was it about this other school that caused you to experience less bullying than you did at the previous school? Because I know you didn't go to like, did you go to public schools? And No, no, I went to yeah. private school. I will say the first school I went to was an English school. Okay. And the teachers were not particularly pleasant. And it was a little bit rougher than the second school. The second school was actually an American school. So the teachers mm-hmm. were much kinder. They much more understood about emotions and how to get a kid who was sensitive to show up. So I think that was the big thing. And again, it wasn't a perfect switch. Like it didn't immediately go from the English school to the American school and everything worked itself out. But it was a process and it was just much better. It was gentler. Gentler. I think the word gentler is a better way of describing it. You also talk about this concept of being yourself, right? And you and I are friends. Like we hung out just, you know, had dinners and lunches and whatnot. And I've also seen your Netflix specials. And it's kind of like you're a different person when you're in those Netflix, when you're having to go up to people and ask them to help you fill up your tank with gas and feed you and put you up for the night. That's a more sort of extroverted version of you. And then when we hang out, it's more of an introverted version of you that I'm experiencing. So when did you feel like you were being yourself? And which one of those versions would you say is the most accurate in terms of who you truly are? It's a great question. I mean, look, I am an introvert and people that meet me in real life are often like, what? Like, where's the Chinese guy? Where's this guy that went around the world and like is having all these experiences and is full Mm. of life and blah, blah, blah. What happened to him? Where where is he? And I'm like, well, I'm actually just 
introverted. So when I'm on screen, I can be an extrovert. And in life, at times, I can be an extrovert. But generally, I'm pretty quiet. You know this, and my friends know this. So I'd say they're both me, but the version of me that is more me on a daily level is the version that you meet when we go and have dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Quieter. So they're both me, but more me is the introverted me. What's the correlation between being yourself and speaking your truth? I'd say the correlation is that when you speak your truth, you are mirroring what is going on inside, on the outside, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I speak my truth to you, then the outside and the inside is being mirrored. And if I'm speaking my not truth to you, then there is no mirroring. And therefore, I am not being my true self. It doesn't mean you're, yeah, yeah, you're straining and people can sense the strain. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean that you always have to go up to everyone you ever meet and be mm-hmm. your full self and speak 100% truth at all times. That's probably not going to end well. But it does <laughs> right. mean, yeah, with a select few people and as much as you can, mirror your outside words with your inside feelings. What I'm hearing and what I'm taking away from this is when you're with someone who you feel like you can be yourself with, you give yourself permission to be introverted because that's how you would be ordinarily. You don't have to feel like you got to be on all the time. And those are really the best friendships and maybe the deepest friendships are the ones where you can be a little bit sad sometimes. You could be a little bit vulnerable sometimes. You could be a little bit upset sometimes. And I I tell friends because I have a lot of friends and you probably have a lot of friends like this too, but who are coaches and who help people get through these times. And I have to tell them, I say, look, I get everything is connected. I get that everything is working for me, but I just want to hear myself vent right now and just talk about this thing that didn't go my way. Cause it's just, I don't know. I just need to have that outlet and then we'll get back to everything's happening perfectly. And the whole silver lining aspect of, you know what? That's really interesting because sometimes people can be blinded by the light. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? It's like, not uh, your name is light. I don't mean anyone would be blinded by you, but people can be blinded by the light and they don't open up to their own feelings of sadness, of depression, of this. It's like, you know, this is a spiritual bypass. Not anyone is always going to be fully 100% kind, fully 100% present, fully 100% in a good place. There are moments where we need to let the darkness out. And I think that's a really important piece. And I think that's why some people look at self-help and like, oh, it's just all light and blah, 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 blah. No. Don't they call it toxic positivity? Right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, yes, be positive. But sometimes bad things happen and you have to accept that. Sometimes you get angry. Sometimes you want to throw something or whatever. You know, don't ever harm anyone, but let out the anger. And that's actually interesting. I have a piece in the book about getting mad. I say, Mm. get mad, get angry. Don't harm someone. Don't scream at someone, but in the privacy of your own house, in the privacy of your own journal, get mad and let it out. And that's an act of bravery in itself. And I promise you, if you do that, you get to a place where you can be a better friend, a better husband, a better wife, a better employee, a better boss, because you've let out the rage healthily. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest things that I tell people. Just Get angry. Learn how to channel it. 
learn how to channel it. And so yes. speaking of that, that story in that chapter, you talked about the, you know, giving the talk in, in prison. Can you just give us a synopsis of what happened when that inmate we thought hated you <laughs> came up on stage? Oh, wow. That was a crazy day. So yes, I do speeches. I do a lot of speeches on kindness and now clearly I've started doing speeches on bravery. So the speech that I was giving at this maximum security in San Diego was about kindness. And I was trying to inspire people to come up on stage and share their magic. And there was this one guy who looked scarier than the Navy SEAL. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm talking about a maximum security prison. You know, think about all the worst things that happen in society. Those were the people who were sitting in front of me, right? And there was this one guy who I asked to come on stage and I kind of thought maybe I shouldn't have let this guy come up on stage at some point, but I, whatever, it was too late. He came up on stage and then he started rapping and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The light inside him was shining so radiantly. It was a never to be forgotten moment that shows that if we can touch our own magnificence and share it with the world, it changes lives. I've never forgotten that moment. I mm. gave him a hug. He gave me a hug. It was so beautiful. And unfortunately for this fellow, I mean, I don't know what he had done, but it seemed that he was going to be there for a very long time. And in that moment, he connected to his magic. And had he connected to his magic earlier in his life, had he had safe people who he could speak to, safe people who he could share with, there's a very big chance he wouldn't have been in there. It was such a profound moment for me. You start the book with this contract you want the reader to agree to, which is to practice becoming themselves. What are some of the real world metrics that one can look at just in their day-to-day -day life and just to tell, to give them the feedback, hey, I'm becoming more and more of myself at work, at home, in the relationship with myself. I mean, look, it's really a real-world metrics. I would say it starts off with a feeling. Like, if I am a mechanic, but I know that I really want to be a poet, and that's my life, or I want to be a writer, but I am being a mechanic, I am clearly not being myself. I understand there may be reasons why that person is a mechanic and needs to look after his family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, you just know inside whether you are actually doing and being the person that you are meant to be. It's like a felt sensation. You know that you've met people who are clearly in the flow and they are doing what they're supposed to do. And then mm -hmm. you've met people who are not in the flow let's say a doctor's office, there's a doctor's office I go to, and there's this assistant that you can tell that person doesn't want to be there. That person <laughs> right. doesn't want to be there. But for whatever reason, no shame, no judgment, she is there. Yeah? She is clearly not being herself. So when it comes to real-world metrics, I would say get a journal, write in that journal what it is that you truly, truly want. Everything that you really, really want. This is the truth diary exercise, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's called the truth diary. You write exactly what it is you want. 
And if you don't have any of those things, there's a very severe problem. If you do have those things, then you are closer to the tipping point of being who you truly are. What is it about the power of writing it down that will encourage or inspire action? I think when you write something down, first of all, it's tangible. So you have a thought, and then you write that thought down, and the thought becomes real. It's actually out into the world on a piece of paper. And I think that's a really important, like, let's call it a hack. So sometimes what happens to me is I'll think of something, and until it's written down, it's not real. Of course, it is real because I thought it, but it's not super real until it's actually written. And that's a really important thing. And that, and that, and that real world metric is get a piece of paper. If anyone's listening now, get a piece of paper at the end of this podcast and write down what you really want, not what society wants you to have, not what your parents want you to have, what you want in the privacy of your own journal, write it down. And I promise you, if you're doing it congruently, emotionally, the answers will be there. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you write it down and all of a sudden it comes. Mm -hmm. But at least you'll know what it is that you're meant to be doing, to be feeling. It's there. You can look at it every morning and it becomes real. A thought is fleeting. You write it down, it becomes real. I feel like a lot of people may find themselves closer to the assistant doctor than someone like you or me who's out there, you know, traveling the world and taking all these leaps of faith. So let's say they write it down, right? Let's say you're that woman, you write it down. Then what? Do you quit your job? Do you just start taking little baby steps? Yeah. So remember, bravery is speaking your truth. If you start by writing it down, you've started the process of speaking your truth. You then have to take it to the next level of sharing it with another human being. How do you get from the doctor's assistant to someone who's living their dream? Small little baby steps of action. Or you can go nuts, burn your ships. <laughs> what the conquistadors did, they burned their ships so they had no choice but to keep moving forward. And you just go for it. For example, the doctor's assistant. I mean, I don't know what she wants to do with her life. I can tell she doesn't want to be there, right? Let's say she wants to start a fashion line. One way to take action is to immediately go onto Amazon and buy a book about how to start a fashion line. That's mm. the first action. I didn't become a Netflix host or write books or create my speeches just like that. It really started when I spoke to my mother at 15 years old. The first step was speaking my truth. The second step was the courage for my mother and for me to move schools. And then yeah. small little baby steps got me to where I am. Mm -hmm. Small little baby steps. You start by speaking your truth. Most people never speak their truth. They don't. They don't do it. And if you don't speak your truth, you don't share your pain, you will never get the chance to stand in your power. That's the truth. And I think when people hear burning the boats as a concept, we think about it in an extreme way. Like I, I should just quit the job. So then I have no choice, but that you don't have to do that. I think what you're talking about, which is baby steps, right? As long as you feel like you're moving forward, then you're moving in the right. That's, that's a way of burning the boats because, because you're sacrificing something. You're sacrificing the time and attention you may be putting instead of reading that book on fashion, you're on Instagram or you're watching a Netflix show or something like that. And 
when you find yourself getting sort of stuck or using a lot of excuses not to move forward, a way of burning the boats that I've used before that I found to be very effective is I put something on the line. So I sent a buddy of mine, I was writing my first book and I was just not really being as proactive with it as I, as I knew I could have been. And so I sent a buddy of mine a check for $4,000. And I said, if I don't finish the manuscript by this date, which was like three months from that point, you have to cash this check and spend it on something that has nothing to do with me. Once that was out there in the universe, all of my excuses went away because there was no way I was going to lose that $4,000. I couldn't afford to lose the $4,000. So I had to find the time and all the time that I didn't think I had all of a sudden freed up. Do you know what? I'm so glad you shared that story with the $4,000. I have never heard anyone else do that. I do that. I'm telling you, I give my credit, I give my credit cards to people, close people, and I say, look, if I don't do this, you have my permission to spend $1,000 on my credit card. I had a coach, and I ended up giving her my credit card number, and I said, if I don't, it was for my new speech, if I don't send you 15 slides. By no, the, excuses. no excuses. No excuses. <laughs> You can spend $2,000 and give it to a charity, do whatever you want with it. And what happened? I did it. Of course. I did it. And even with something a little more intangible, right? Like you were wanting to, I think, navigate your mental health challenges and just kind of get to the other side of that a lot quicker. And instead of doing the sort of conventional way, you decided to go out into the wild for 10 days by yourself, right? As a way of just kind of sitting with it and feeling into it and all of that. And that that brings us to another part of the book where you talk about how rest is one way of dealing with stress, but a more effective way could be going into nature. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about nature and and how that relationship can help you become more of yourself and, and deal with the things that you're going through right now. So one of the concepts of the book is to become more human. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Become more human. I'm human. What I mean is to become more connected to the essence of our humanity. I was sitting in a field a few years back, and I remember a field, like a foresty area with a field. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking to myself, what a beautiful moment this is. I am drenched in nature. There is no phone. There is no computer. There is no Instagram. There is nothing. And I remembered feeling this is how a human being 50,000 years ago would have felt exactly like this. And we have forgotten over years, hundreds of years, thousands of years of the essence of our own humanity. And the best way to get there is to go into nature. For some reason, I wake up really early these days. I'm always up by like 6 a.m. And I look out the window and the sun is rising. And the feeling I get is one of being fully embraced by nature and fully connected to myself and everything. I can't get that in front of the television screen. I can't get that in front of my phone. I get that by being in this like primal state of nature this primal state of what is, yet we have lost connection to what is 
because we are connected to our phones. We are connected to our computers. We are connected to the chaos that is causing inner chaos. And the way to get rid of that chaos is to go into nature, whether it's the ocean, whether it's a forest, whether it's a lake, and just sit in it mm-hmm. and be consumed by it, which is mm-hmm. our natural state. I'm in Mexico City right now, and very few people have a car here, right, in the area that I'm living in, which is like right in the middle of the city. So going for a hike, for instance, would be like, you know, an hour long thing just to get there. And you haven't even hiked yet. But there is this park right around the corner from my place. And within that park, there's an open area where there's just direct sunlight for most of the day. And I try to get over there for about 20 minutes a day. And I have to say, that has been the most profound new addition to my daily routine that I've done in a long time since I started meditating probably 20 something years ago was to go just sit in the sun. And so I think when people hear nature, they imagine trees and forests, but it could just be something as simple as sun or something as simple as water. And if you can't get to the ocean, cause you live somewhere that's a far from the ocean, maybe you take a bath and just sitting in a bathtub could be a good substitute for making sure you have some contact, some exposure with nature every day because it's meditative as well and it'll give you insights into those next steps that you're referring to and one of the most beautiful things you can do is you can find a park exactly as you said and Mm. literally just lie down on the grass Mm. and sit there for 20 minutes and it grounds you it connects you it's beautiful it's like a heart-centered grounding exercise that anyone can do i mean there's a park somewhere in the world, everywhere. I read your previous books. This one is different in the way that you formatted it. It's almost like the scattering of thoughts and even the indentation of the various lines are different from obviously conventional books, even from your previous books. And I'm just wondering what your process was or what your thinking was around how you chose to lay this book out and why you chose that format as opposed to a more conventional format. So the book, Go Be Kind, which is the previous Mm -hmm. book, is actually similar to Go Be Brave. The other books, you're absolutely right. It's a normal book. But for example, with Go Be Kind, people would always say to me, oh, Leon, it's okay for you to travel around the world and quit your job and go on these kindness adventures. I can't do that. I've got a job, et cetera. I'm like, I get it. So what I did was I did Go Be Kind as an adventure book of kindness. So you could go and have your own kindness diaries experience. And then with Go Be Brave, it's something similar. It's a journal where you get to do 24 adventures well, 24 and three-quarter adventures, where you actually immerse yourself and experientially live bravery and show and make yourself feel the act of being brave. It's kind of like an experiential journey. It's Mm -hmm. not just a book that you read. It's a book that you do. Why is that important to take this action as you're reading through the book? as opposed to just understanding it conceptually? Because understanding conceptually and understanding feelingly 
are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. In order to change, one has to feel. And you can feel when you read a book, of course. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that my book is the only book that you feel. But this book is like an experiential journey into the heart of who you are, into the heart of how you experience the world. And I've experienced many journeys, many travels, and they stay with me. It's a felt experience that stays with me. And that's the purpose of the book, to give you a felt experience of being brave, a felt experience of being angry and sharing that anger wisely. It's a felt experience. Maya Angelou once said, people don't remember what you say to them. They remember how you make them feel. And that's the purpose of this book, to make people feel their own magnificence. When you were writing this book, obviously, you would think anyone would be game to be more brave, be more kind. But who specifically were you writing this book for? Who did you have in mind? Was it the people in the jails you talked to? Was it people who were just scared all the time? You know what? That's a great question. And people always say to me, Leon, you need to write a book for a certain category of people, (laughs) 18 to 35, 41 to 68, 105 to 112, (laughs) whatever, right? I wrote this for everyone. I'm sorry, but I did. Now, can a seven-year-old read it? Maybe. Yeah. Can a 12-year-old read it? Absolutely. Can a 99-year-old read it? 100%. I wrote it for everyone because if I'm not mistaken, Everyone is human. And if Uh I'm also not mistaken, everyone has feelings. And if I'm also not mistaken, everyone wants to live as magnificent a life as they possibly can. And if that's the case, then I wrote this book for everyone. I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. I agree that it's applicable to everyone. But the way you wrote it, there's a lot of like disclaimers. Like, I know you're going to think this is, da, 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 but just try it. So that's someone who may be apprehensive to buy into some of these concepts, because maybe this is the first time they're coming across this kind of information and they have to kind of be sold on it a little bit. Okay. All right. I, I get your point. So ultimately, if you're not aware of your own human frailties, right? And there's Mm -hmm. no awareness going on, then you're not going to read this book because you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, I'm not interested. If you are willing to see that there's another way to live, if you're willing to kind of be like, "Mm, okay, maybe it's time I showed some vulnerability. If you're willing to be like, you know, I've been doing kind of the wrong things for a while, maybe there's an opportunity to do some different things. This book is for you. If you want to live your greatest life, then this is a book for you. If you are inspired by going inwards, going inside and finding answers that will enable you to live more profoundly, then this book is for you. There's a Steve Jobs clip that you know makes the rounds on social media from time to time. And he says that every morning he would stare at himself in the mirror before work and he would ask himself the question, do I feel like doing whatever I'm going to be doing today, whatever's on my, my agenda. And he says that the answer is no too many days in a row, then that's his internal sign to switch it up. And I would say that, yes, the book applies to everybody, 
But if you are in that situation where you're saying no too many days in a row, then this book is really, really not just informative, but useful from an experiential point of view, because you do walk people through, you know, these 24 and three quarter exercises for being brave. And just like a lot of books in the self-help category, if you literally did everything that is being prescribed in the book, you would be a changed person by the end of that book. But obviously, a lot of times people don't. They get excited, they read the book, they put it down, and they don't go back to it. And I've done that. I've done that, you know, tons of books that I started and never really finished. And so if that happens, and I know you probably don't want to think about it like this, but if someone could just focus on one of those exercises to just get the ball rolling, which one would you say is the most foundational principle for being braver? Speak your truth. It all starts from there. It all starts from speaking your truth. Mm-hmm. What's your truth? Are you an alcoholic? If you are, do you need to go to AA? I would say yes. Are you in a job that you don't love and you don't want to be in? If you're in a job that you don't love, you don't want to be in, speak your truth. Tell someone. If you live a lie, you will not end up magnificent. That's the truth. So it's simple. It's speak your truth. Whatever that truth is, mine at 15 was that I was being bullied that I needed to leave school. It was also that I always wanted to travel the world and be a host. And that's what happened because I spoke my truth. Find someone safe and speak your truth. That's the ultimate thing. Share your pain. That's it. I would also say that a close second, because you ha- you're right, you have to speak your truth. And then a close second would be asking for help. You talk about that in the book, you know, about how the kindness diaries help to show you how brave you could be in asking for help. And I saw another clip on social media, this karate instructor working with this kid. And so one kid was holding this kid's legs. He was like in the plank position. He picked his legs up. So the kid had to move forward with his hands and he's walking on his hands forward. And he just got to the point where he was so exhausted. He couldn't go another step. And the karate instructor goes, okay, so what are you going to do next? Because this happens all the time in life. You have the intention to move forward. You want to move forward. You know that going backwards is not where you want to be, but you can't go. You don't have the strength. What are you going to do next? And then he said, you know, if you were in the gym and you couldn't lift that next rep, you'd have to ask for a spot. You'd have to get help. And so he had two other kids come over and help pick the guy up and give him a spot. And he kept moving forward. So I would say a close second would be asking for help. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. What I would say is when I say speak your truth, I'm not talking about speaking your truth to someone who is going to, you know, squash you. I'm talking <laughs> Trivialize about, it, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about speak your truth to someone who will help you. So that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. So one other part from your book that really stood out to me, because I know you on a personal level, is when you went on the Rachel Ray show and she was saying, you know, someone has or seems to have, you know, all their basic needs met plus more, which was a situation you were in. What is something that you would desire? And you said, you said what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness me. I said on live television that I wanted a wife. Right. So you and I are like in our 40s, right? We're 
accomplished guys, smart, intelligent, all the things. And yet we don't have wives. <laughs> we don't have kids. You've got a dog. How does bravery, and maybe there's no answer for this, but how does bravery relate to that kind of situation? Because I also would like to have a life partner. Or is it just the modern day dating dynamics that and it's not nothing to do with bravery? Does bravery relate to this experience at all? And not having something that you want? Because you, you wanted to go around the globe on a motorcycle. You did that. You wanted to go from Argentina or, or, or Antarctica to Alaska. And you did that. So what is it about having a wife that we could use the principles of bravery and burn the boats and all the other things, speak our truth to fulfill? Isn't that the definition of a good relationship? All good relationships are speaking truth. All mm -hmm. good relationships are making decisions, not just for one, but for two. Relationships are not easy. It was easier for me to circumnavigate the world than it to is. Be in a relationship. I'm not joking. Than it is to be in a successful relationship. That's it was easier for you to go off to strangers for six months and ask them to put you up for the night and feed you for the day and put gas in your in your motorcycle. Absolutely. Because I would have small relationships with them, right? Meaning like, you know, platonic small relationships. I'd meet one person, then I'd meet another person. When you're in a relationship with someone, your madness and their madness becomes one big inferno of madness. You're naked. No, yes. Literally and, and, and metaphorically. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the greatest acts of bravery, to actually... Yeah master that, which is what I'm trying to do somewhat unsuccessfully, to master that, you're on Bruce Lee level. Right. You can I, I call that, I say relationships are the equalizer. Doesn't matter how much money you have, how many connections you have, it doesn't make it easier to be in a relationship. If anything, it can make it even harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's a, it's a, it's look, like I said, bravery, ultimately to me, speaking your truth. It's mm -hmm. also sharing your pain, but the standing in your power. How do two people, I'm no relationship expert, clearly. How do two people <laughs> get to stand in their power simultaneously and everything work out beautifully? I, I, I don't know. I mean, if anyone knows, let me know. Can we just unpack it a little bit more, though? So since you started the Kindness Diaries, what have you learned about relationships? That they are very difficult. And specifically, romantic relationships are extraordinarily challenging. I once read a book where it said that we think that we are normal when we are alone. And that when we get into a relationship with someone, we realize that, in fact, we are not normal. Because all of the triggers come up. All of the ego stuff comes up. All of the pain comes up. And to face that, whew, that's not easy to face that, not just in relationships, but just generally to face our own madness. It takes a lot of patience for ourselves. It takes a lot of patience for the other person. It's a tough one. You know my personal story, and I don't want to go into it here, but it's a tough one. You know, and I know, and you know, and we all know how tough it is. And we get fed like a story of romanticism that, oh, you're going to find one person and everything's going to work itself out. You know, within six to nine months, 12 months, the chemicals going on in our brain after meeting someone, they go away. And we're faced with the reality of having to deal with the reality, which isn't so simple. 
Would you say that you are closer to having a wife today than you were back when you made that comment on Rachel Ray's show however many years ago? I would have to say yes. You know, I've been through a lot. I'm Mm -hmm. wiser. I'm definitely closer, yes. I would say the same thing. And it's not because I necessarily have someone who I'm thinking about getting into a long-term marriage with or anything like that. But just as a person, I take things a lot less personally. And I look when I reflect back to my track record, that usually was the point where things started to go off the rails is when one or both people start taking things personally, not realizing that we're really just dealing with each other's inner child. And it's really not personal. And it's an opportunity for us to see ourselves as a team against the problem instead of seeing the other person as the problem. You're absolutely right. And I know that I do take things personally. And people have told me that many times, don't take things personally, like wise people. And I understand it intellectually, but on a felt experience, when I'm in that environment with my partner or whoever it may be, it just all goes out the window. Something happens internally. It's the inner child. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about yes and no and the importance of saying yes and the importance of saying no. And how do you know when it's the right time to say yes and when it's the right time to say no? We've all said yes when we meant no. And we've we've all said no when we meant yes. And it takes a lot of bravery to say yes when we want to say yes but we feel like the other person wants us to say no. And it takes a lot of bravery to say no when we want to say yes. I've confused myself, but I think you know where I'm, where I'm going here, right? Yeah. When, to uh, say no when the other person really wants you to say yes. Yes, that's what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. And the concept of the book, although I define bravery as speaking your truth and sharing your pain, the concept of the book is really about reconnecting to our humanity reconnecting to who we are as human beings. And with the advent of the internet, with the advent of TikTok, with the advent of Zoom, with the advent of television, with the advent of all of these things and the craziness in the news, we have forgotten who we really are. Everyone wants the same thing ultimately, to be loved, to be seen, and to live magnificently. Everyone irrespective of color, irrespective of creed, irrespective of money, et cetera, et cetera. How do you get there? You get there by connecting to your humanity, to the good and the bad of your humanity. Because when you are, you are grounded and you know what you are, what you want, where you're going, where you've been. But if we keep being pummeled with with outside influences, we are not actually being the true essence of our own humanity. Go Be Brave is really about relearning and refeeling how to be a human. I love it because it feels so practical. And again, it's not something that you can really argue against because we all want to be brave deep down, but we also have these, these really important sounding excuses for saying yes to things that we know we have no business involving ourselves in. Like, you know, just as an example, being in a relationship that you've already realized is toxic or some or a toxic work dynamic. And you realize, oh my God, I'm in the middle of this thing. I thought it was one thing, but turns out it's another thing. 
I've done enough of the research to see that there are so many red flags, but we live together, but it's paying me well, but my family likes this person, but, you know, and so we have these buts and how do you overcome those really important sounding excuses to take that leap out of the yes and make the yes into the no that it should be, or making the no into the yes that it should be. If somebody wants you to do something and you know everything inside of your body is contracted around the outcome of that possibility and you know you shouldn't do it. I'm going to let you into a little secret. You have to promise not to tell anyone. Okay? <laughs> I won't say anything. Okay, I can't promise that any of the thousands of listeners won't say okay. anything. The person that wrote Go Be Brave mm-hmm. isn't always brave. <laughs> the person who wrote Go Be Brave doesn't always have courage. Mm-hmm. There is no perfection. The difference, maybe, between the person who wrote Go Be Brave and some is that I have made a conscious decision to commit to kindness, to commit to bravery, to commit to courage to the best of my ability. There are times where I am aware that I'm not doing it, and it doesn't feel good. There are times I'm aware that I do do it. So you have to make a commitment the same way you make a commitment to posting on Instagram, or the same way that you make a commitment to your wife or to your kids. You make a commitment to become better. Make a commitment to become better, and I promise you, everything will change. But without that commitment, the chances of you becoming better are nil. I think another important point to make as someone who's made what others would consider brave choices in their life, you know, living from a backpack and giving up my apartment and all that stuff, is that with that action is going to come periods of loneliness, periods of repetition, you know, where just kind of you're in the humdrum of it, of the process. And things aren't going to be as exciting as they may appear on a Netflix show or in a book that we write as a result of these experiences. And so there are lots of these in-between moments where someone could look at that and go, well, maybe I made the wrong choice (laughs) because I didn't think it was going to be this. But you have to understand that it's a process. And as much as possible, we want to be process oriented, you know, be in the process of it and understand the journey itself is the destination as opposed to you know, always looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes. And Michael Jordan only became Michael Jordan because he never gave up. He kept on going. He made a commitment and he went through his own process. Otherwise, if Michael Jordan had woken up one morning and been like, oh, you know what? I can't bother to do this anymore. Right. He wouldn't. Because I got to go to all this practice. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the point. He committed. Commit to whatever it is you want in life, but ultimately at the base, commit to becoming better, whatever that may be, whether it is through bravery, whether it is through your eating habits, whether it's through exercising, commit to it. And there are sometimes you'll fail. Oh, oh no, I failed. Well, of course, you're a human being, you will fail, but commit. I love it, man. Well, look, it's always a pleasure getting to speak to you both in person and virtually. And I'm super excited about this, this work of art being out in the public for people to be able to use to change their life. And I'm honored to be able to call you a friend and look forward to the next time we get to hang out. No worries. When you come back to Venice, let me know. I will for sure. Thank you so much, sir. No worries. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Leon Logothetis. For more inspiration, make sure to find Leon on the socials at The Kindness Guy and Go Be Brave. His most recent book is available everywhere books are sold. Of course, I'll drop links to everything else that Leon and I discussed in the show notes on my website, which is lightwatkins.com slash show. And if this is your first time listening to The Light Watkins Show, we've got an incredible archive of interviews with many other luminaries who share how they found their path and their purpose. You can search the interviews by subject matter in case you want to hear only episodes about people who've taken leaps of faith or people who've overcome financial struggles or people who've navigated health challenges. You can get a list of all of that at lightwatkins.com slash show. You can also watch my interviews on my YouTube channel if you want to put a face to a story. Just search Light Watkins Podcast on YouTube and you'll see the entire playlist. And if you didn't already know, I post the raw, unedited version of every podcast in my Happiness Insiders online community. So if you're the type that likes hearing all the false starts and the chit chat and the mistakes in the beginning and the end of the episodes, you can listen to all of that when you join my online community, thehappinessinsiders.com. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. You'll also have access to a ton of challenges, the 108-day meditation challenge, the 30-day mindfulness challenge, the 30-day no complaining challenge, etc., and master classes for becoming the best version of you. And then finally, to help me continue to bring you the best guests possible, it goes further than you can imagine when you take 10 seconds to rate the podcast. All you do is you glance at your screen, you click on the name of the podcast, you scroll down past the seven or eight previous episodes, you'll see a space with five blank stars. Just tap the star all the way on the right if you want to leave us a five-star rating. And if you want to go the extra mile and just write a one-line review about what you really appreciate about this podcast or which episode you think somebody should start with if they're new to the podcast, that would be super helpful. And I thank you in advance for that. In the meantime, I look forward to hopefully seeing you back here next week with another story about someone just like me and you taking a leap of faith in the direction of their purpose. And until then, keep trusting your intuition, keep following your heart, keep taking those leaps of faith. If no one's told you recently that they believe in you, I believe in you. Thank you so much and have a great day. If you want to get a little extra nudge when it comes to following your heart and taking leaps of faith and believing in yourself each day, then you want to sign up for my free daily dose of inspiration email. You'll join 30,000 other subscribers who receive a short inspirational story or anecdote that's meant to inspire you to become the best version of yourself each day. You can sign up at lightwatkins.com and you'll get your first inspirational message as early as tomorrow. Again, Just go to lightwatkins.com. You can sign up for free and you'll wake up each morning inspired to be the best version of yourself.